Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Clap your hands to the Lord. Lift up your voice to him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many came to give the Lord glory tonight? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So thankful for what Jesus did here this morning and those that were filled and refilled with the Spirit. And uh, so thankful for what God feel here tonight. And glad for all the churches that are gathered here. I know there's a couple of others. And uh, thank you for taking time to be here uh, this evening. And I know God's going to touch us tonight. How many believe that? God's going to touch us. God's going to help us. going to direct your attention to the book of Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, that sounds good. Uh, Genesis chapter 41, and I'm going to uh, read two ber- verses of Scripture beginning with verse number 51. Uh, Genesis chapter 41 and beginning with verse number 51. Always good to be back here in Bluff City with you all. Appreciate you all and uh, love this church, your leadership. As I said this morning, been friends for a lot of years. Uh, nothing like old friends, and uh, you can make new friends, but you can't make new old friends, right? And so I thank God for relationship with your pastor over many years, and we were reminiscing about some of that this afternoon, and uh, of course, Brother Dustin as well, uh, Pastor Dustin, and, and what God's used him to do is no small thing, watching him uh, grow in ministry and mature in, in his anointing and his influence. And uh, so thankful for that. Y'all are blessed here tonight, aren't you? You're blessed, blessed people. And uh, I will say probably two people who don't get enough credit uh, around here for what they do and just who they are. And that would be Sister Rhonda Williams and Sister Ellie Williams, two incredible ladies. Uh, I'll let you say that. Uh, Pastor said they're good looking too. That's his words. Um, so, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm thankful for them and and what incredible ladies and women of God they are. And uh, we know we know that they are the neck that turns the heads. Right? Is that right, Brother Dustin? The neck that turns the heads. Uh, one old guy said. He said, you know, he said, let me tell you something. He said, I wear the pants in my family. He said, there ain't no question. He said, I wear the pants in my family. He said, they just happen to be the ones she tells me to put on every day. <laughs> uh, thank God for good, godly women. I don't know about y'all, but I married out of my league. I, I kicked beyond my cut. You don't have to agree so strongly. <laughs> That's the, was that about you or for me? Both, okay. Uh, I know I'm married way out of my league, but uh, good to have Asher, my son, here with me. Where at, buddy? Uh, there, he's a little weary and well-doing, coming off a week at junior camp, and uh, but I'm glad he came with Dad, and we had a good time today. Let's see what the Word has to say. There's something that the Lord's been kind of uh, moving around in my spirit the last one in verse so. number 51. The Bible says, and Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. Everybody say Manasseh. For God, he said, hath made me to forget. Everybody say forget. Forget all of my toil and all of my father's house. 
Then verse 52, in the name of the second, he called Ephraim. But I say Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. I want to preach to you for the next few minutes that God wants you to both forget and be fruitful. God wants you to both forget and be fruitful. God wants there to be a word go forth over this church and every family and every ministry represented here tonight that would speak fruitfulness into your future and fruitfulness into the days that are ahead of you. God's blessing wants to be upon you. God wants to multiply us. God wants to see, he wants us to see growth and advancement of his kingdom through us. If you believe that, you ought to lift up your voice to the Lord right now, all across Across this room, you ought to lift up your voice, lift up your hands. Somebody talk to the Lord for just a minute and say, Jesus, talk to us right now in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Come on, open up your mouth, open up your voice and just say, Jesus, I ask you, Lord, God, that you would help us right now. God, I pray that you would help us. That, Lord, we would understand your word, God, that we would grow in your word. I pray right now by the authority of your spirit. I pray by the authority of your spirit that you would do a work in this place that only you can do. Speak through me, Lord, the thoughts and the ideas that you have put in my heart and let them not return void. Let it be as your word, Lord. Let it cut through every barrier and every stronghold. And God, I pray right now that your word would produce, Lord, a spiritual reaction in the atmosphere here. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for what you're about to do in Jesus. Jesus name everybody said in Jesus name and you can be seated in Jesus name long before the text that we read where Joseph is alive and thriving God had promised to his father Jacob that he would be fruitful God had given him a promise that his seed would be multiplied and that his seed would be blessed. How many know that when God gives you a promise, it is not a promise that is restricted to a particular period of time, and it is not a promise that is restricted uh, even to yourself uh, in particular, but when God gives a promise, it has the potential and the possibility to be a generational promise. It has the potential to be something that will literally outlast you. I don't know about you tonight, but I, I'm thankful for every good gift and every blessing that God gives me in my life. But I, I don't just want him to bless me in a manner with which dies with me. But I want him to bless me in a manner with which it passes on to my children. And if the Lord tarries my children's children, uh, that there would be a legacy of God's promises being fulfilled. And a legacy of God's blessing and his word coming to pass. That's what we have in Jacob. A lot can be preached and said about Jacob, but we pick up in our text that the offspring is continually blessed. And Joseph is in a situation that he did not uh, choose to be in. Joseph is in a situation that was not of his own making. We've all been there before. But Joseph is in a situation where he is in Egypt, uh, and now after all that he has went through, he has been elevated and exalted to uh, being the right hand of Pharaoh. He has been elevated and exalted, even in a wicked kingdom 
in a perverse land, God has elevated him and God has given him influence. Can I pause and tell you that that God doesn't God doesn't need to transform our cities and He doesn't need to transform our states and He doesn't need to transform our country into an apostolic Holy Ghost filled uh, Christian entity uh, for us to have influence. But God is able to give His children influence uh, even in an Egypt land. Anybody believe that with me? God is able to give His children influence and affluence uh, even in a land that is not their own. How many know that we are strangers in this land? We are just passing uh, through, reflected in the words of the song. This world is not my home. I'm just uh, passing through. We understand uh, that we are citizens of a land that is beyond this world, uh, but while we are in this world, uh, it is God's will that his children uh, be blessed. It is God's will that his children be fruitful, and it is God's will that his children have influence even in the wicked society that we are surrounded by. God has placed Joseph in such a position. You have to understand uh, Joseph's past had uh, been filled with pain. Joseph's past had been filled with unfair treatment. Now, is there anybody? This is an easy exercise tonight. Is there anybody here tonight that has ever been treated unfairly? Five of you. Okay. Wow. Some blessed people here tonight. Let me ask again. Is there anybody in this room tonight that life hasn't always been kind to you? Is there anybody in this room where sometimes things didn't always work out the way you would have preferred that they work out? Joseph had had situation after situation uh, work against him and leave him with unfair treatment and a past that is filled with pain and a past that is filled with rejection. It was the favoritism of his father that led to hatred in his own house. His father loved him and his father favored him, but because of the favoritism of his father, his brethren rejected him. They didn't want anything to do with the favoritism of their father being upon him. Not only did his father, his natural father favor him, but his heavenly father favored him for it was God that gave him dreams and visions and spiritual revelations that were keen and and in tune with what God was going to do in his future. But can I help somebody here tonight and tell you that when God begins to work in your life, not everybody is always going to be excited about that. I'd love to tell you that when God speaks to you and God blesses you, uh, God touches you and deals with you, uh, that everybody around you is going to celebrate that and they're going to congratulate you and high-five you uh, and say, that's awesome. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad God's blessed you. I'm glad God's exalted you. But the reality of it uh, is the opposite is true more often than not, that uh, many times when the blessing of God falls upon a man or a woman or a family or a church, there's always the brethren of Joseph 
Joseph that are sitting back ready to criticize uh, and that are sitting back ready to pick apart the work that God uh, is doing in your life. That's why you've got to understand the principle of the Father, and that is this, that when Joseph told his dream to his brethren, uh, the Bible says his brethren hated him for his dream, uh, but the Bible says when hearing the same dream, the Father didn't hate him, uh, but he pondered those things uh, in his mind and in his heart. Can I tell you, when you hear the dream or when you hear the blessing or when you hear the promise uh, that God has given a brother or a sister, you'd be wise to behave uh, as Joseph's father and ponder those things uh, and even pray over those things uh, rather than show spite to those things. Well, somebody say amen. amen. His brethren hated him for his dream. They hated him for the promise of God in his life. They hated him because what God was doing in his life seemed to be on a greater measure or a greater scale than what God was doing in their life. So he is favored by his natural father. He is favored by his heavenly father. He's given dreams and he's given visions. And perhaps you could make the case, I've heard it preached and presented that perhaps Joseph was just ignorant that it was youthful bliss and he runs off to tell his brothers his dream and his excitement that, that, that somehow God's going to use him and somehow God's speaking to him and, and and maybe it was just youthful ignorance and, and maybe that's the case. Maybe there was a little bit of ego involved. Maybe there was a little bit of, you know, he was a little bit puffed up in, in, in his prideful self that man, look at me. Uh, Father loves me and he made me this coat and uh, look at me God's talking to me and giving me dreams and letting me see visions but can, can I tell you life has a way of humbling you I told somebody Reese I told somebody this morning you can either humble yourself before the hand of God or God will life humble you life has a way of humbling you life circumstances have a way of bringing you to your knees where you either give up or you give in to the will and the plan of God and so his brethren hated him and when he tells them the dream they hate him more and when he shows them the coat that his father makes special custom made for him they hate him even more and so the Bible says that when they see him they 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 at one point in his story they they lay hands on him and they intended to kill him but it was his older brother that literally saved his life imagine the hatred uh, that was in their heart that they were intending to literally kill their own flesh and blood brother we might think that kind of hatred to be odd or strange or unique but you hear me uh, in the holy ghost tonight warn you uh, before god i'm telling you we've got to be careful that we don't let the same spirit of hatred grip our hearts uh, against a brother or a sister uh, that God has blessed uh, or a brother or a sister that God has promised uh, his blessing to or moved in or moved on uh, or touch. Anybody hear what I'm preaching right now? We've got to be very careful that the spirit of the brethren do not get on us. Well, I've got about 13 of you. The rest of you nervous, hear me. You got to be very, very careful. It's easy to shoot at one another when it feels like God's given them something that God hasn't given me. Why is God healing him when I'm still sick? Why is God touching her when I need the blessing of God? I, I, God is sovereign. I can't answer for all of his ways, but I do know that the scriptural principle we find in the New Testament is that we are to weep with those who weep and we are to rejoice with those who rejoice. I am not God. 
God. I am not the judge. I am not the blessing giver. It's not my job to be the, the person who humbles anybody who's being blessed. Hear me, and it's not your job either. Well, let me say that again. It's not your job to be the humbling factor in their life. No, no. You need to get off your high horse. You're not God. Let God do the blessing. And you know what you ought to do? And what I ought to do is when they're rejoicing and they're being blessed, you ought to get out your party favor and rejoice with them. And when God's increasing them, you ought to rejoice and celebrate. You know what? Uh, you may get a brand new vehicle and I may be driving a hoopty to church that's held together with duct tape and bailing wire, but guess what? I ought to rejoice with you uh, when God gives you the car of your dreams. Uh, I may be living in a tent, uh, but if God gives you a new house, I ought to rejoice with you. Uh, I ought to celebrate with well, because it's that kind of spirit that has the potential to unlock blessing in your own life. It's that kind of spirit that has the potential to unlock the favor of God in your own story. Do you realize because of what they did to their brother that the jo Joseph's brothers were never touched and blessed and God never spoke to them exactly like he spoke to Joseph? They wanted to kill him. I don't think anybody's considered murder. Maybe you have. I don't know. Don't raise your hand if you have. I don't, you probably haven't considered, I mean, seriously considered murdering anybody. There have been times the thought has quickly passed through my mind, but, but hear me. But we murder people with our tongue. We murder people with our criticism. What did Jesus say? He said, you've heard it said of old. Thou shalt not kill. But he said, I say unto you that whosoever saith unto his brother Raka is in danger of the judgment. Raka is a word of slander. It's slandering your brother. Do you realize what Jesus did? There are people who uh, falsely believe that the New Testament and grace did away with the law. Grace does not do away with the law. Grace fulfills, completes, and if anything, it amplifies and explains the law. Jesus said, you've said that this is all law, you shall not kill, but I've come to, to narrow it down even more. What, what, is, what is murder? Murder is the end of a hatred-filled road. Murder is the end of a street called hate. But guess what Jesus said? Jesus said, if you even slander your brother, you are in danger of the same judgment as the physical murderer. How in the world can that be? Because what he said, is if this is a road of hatred right here, this is a shaky road. It is a shaky road. Murder is at it's the, the end first of the step on the path. And so the same spirit is at the root of both slander and murder. It's hatred in your heart towards someone. And so Jesus said, you heard it said of old, you shall not kill. But I'm telling you, if you even slander someone, you're stepping on that same path that leads to the same. Do you understand what I'm preaching to you right now? 
So what Jesus is saying is you got to be careful. We don't murder people with our hands, but sometimes in church we're real good at murdering people with our tongue. We're real good at murdering people with our criticism, murdering people with our words, but you hear me in the Holy Ghost tonight. That's a quick way to let the blessing of God dry up in your life, dry up in your family. Don't curse Joseph. Bless Joseph. Don't diminish Joseph. Exalt Joseph. Don't try to set him down. Celebrate him up. God's hand is on Joseph. What you don't realize is the blessing of God in Joseph's life is going to in turn bless everyone. Blessing of God through Joseph's life is going to in turn bless everyone around him. His brothers scheme to kill him. He's saved by his older brother. So instead of being murdered, they throw him into a waterless pit and they sell him into slavery. Think about this. The man who has the hand of God on his life is mistreated by the people closest to him. He's thrown in the pit and he's sold into slavery. And long journey ahead of him from the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, enslaved all of the way until he ends up into Pharaoh's palace. Hear me. He's went through a road of suffering. He's went through a road of trial. Am I preaching to anybody tonight that know a little bit about suffering? Am I preaching to anybody tonight that knows a little bit about dark nights and times of misunderstanding and times of disappointment and times of hurt and times of rejection by those close to you. I'm telling you there's no hurt like the pain of rejection and there's no suffering like the suffering inflicted by those that you love. And so this is the story of Joseph. This is the story of Joseph all the way to the point that we find him in the palace. I'm fast forwarding through his story to get to the point they find him in the palace and Pharaoh sets him over all of the land after the prophecy goes forth of the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. Uh, Pharaoh sets him over the order of all of the land. And now this man who has been through a pit and through a prison and through Potiphar's house and through enslavement uh, and through bondage uh, and he's been lied on and his father thinks he's dead because his brothers lied to his own their, their own father about his fate. Now he is sitting in the palace uh, and now he is in a different place. Uh, and through this season, of his life. He marries and has a wife. And the Bible says God gives him a son. And the first son that he has, he names Manasseh, which literally means God causes me to forget. His firstborn son, he names him, the Lord causes me to forget. To forget what? It literally means God causes me to forget all the toil at my father's house. In other words, God says I'm going to give you life and, and through your loins is going to come life and, and, and he says I'm going to name this life that God is causing through this life me to forget all of the 
pain that brought me to this point. Uh, God is going to cause me to forget uh, all of the suffering that brought me to this moment. Uh, God is going to cause me to forget uh, all of the anguish that brought me to this place uh, of blessing. You hear me as I preach to you tonight and tell you, uh, you may have walked a road of suffering. Uh, you may have walked a long and windy road, uh, but God is able to give you new life uh, and God is able to pronounce uh, forgetfulness over your path. hear what this preacher is preaching tonight. I'm telling you, God is able to cause you to forget. You may have been rejected, but God can cause you to forget. You may have been neglected. You may have been cast in a pit, but God can cause you to forget. You may have been lied upon and cheated, but God can cause you to forget. He said, I'm going to name my firstborn son the God who causes me to forget. You know, there are people that never step into their future because they're still living in their past. They're still living in a place of suffering and unjust treatment. I'm telling you, God wants to help somebody in the Holy Ghost tonight. God wants to help maybe even this church the Holy Ghost or some churches represented here. God wants to place you in a, in a place of promise. But the first thing that's got to happen is you've got to give birth to a Manasseh. You've got to give birth to a Manasseh. God, let me forget. You know what forgetfulness means? Forgetfulness means I no longer hold judgment against you for the way you treated me. You can't try a case you forgot. may not like me for this. It's okay. Hear me. Well, I forgive him, but I'll never forget. No, then you haven't forgiven. I'm sorry. You're not talking to a novice here. You're not looking at some wet behind the ear kid that's never had a day of suffering in his life. Hear me. I've used that dumb phrase before. Well, I'll forgive him, but I'll never forget. No, no, that's an ignorant phrase that gives an excuse for unforgiveness to be harbored in your heart that will limit you from the place of promise God has in your life. Let me tell you what forgetfulness I'm preaching about. What forget I had a man ask me one time when I told him some story of suffering in my past, and I told him some issues that had that I had lived through in my life, even in my teenage years. And he and I said, he said, "Have you forgiven?" And I said, "I think I have." I said, "Yeah, I've forgiven." I said, "I'm pretty sure I have." He said, "How do you know?" I said, "Well, I'm just pretty sure I forgave." He said. I said, how, how, how do you know if you forgave? He said, I'll tell you, you know how you forgive. I said, I, said, I, I remember it. He said, uh, he said, I'll tell you how you know you forgave. He said, you see this scar on my hand? He said, I remember when I look at that scar, I remember what created it. I remember the injury. I can remember what caused it. I can think back. He said, but it doesn't hurt me anymore. He said, if I bump it, there's no pain associated with it. He said, if you brush up against it, it doesn't bother me in the least. He said, but there was a time when it was infected. He said, and when it was infected, I thought about it frequently. 
And he said, if you were to shake my hand and accidentally grab that, I would, I, I would pull back. If I was to accidentally brush it up against something, I would retract. Why? Why? Because there's still pain associated with visiting that place. Hear me. And he looked at me and he said, Brother Levine, he said, the way that you know you've forgiven is that there is no longer pain associated when that thing is touched. I'm telling you right now in the Holy Ghost, uh, God wants you to forgive. And he wants to give you a dose of godly forgetfulness. Doesn't mean that you never remember because there's a, I've got to remember to be able to tell the testimony. But there's no longer pain associated with the touch. There's just a scar that serves as a testimony. But there's no pain any longer. I'm telling you, God wants to help somebody to forgive somebody that's walked the road of suffering in your life you hear this preacher it may have been suffering in your childhood it may have been suffering that's been even recent days and weeks but God wants you to give birth to a Manasseh that causes you to forget the pain that you have walked through the pain and the toil of your father's house Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. But you hear me, God just doesn't want you to forgive and he doesn't just want you to forget. But the Bible says in the very next verse, without any span of time elapsing, the Bible says that Joseph also named that child Ephraim. And the name Ephraim, he gave him literally means that God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. In other words, I'm not even in a promised place yet. I'm still living in this world. I'm still living in Egypt, but I'm going to have an Ephraim born to me and that Ephraim is named God causes me to be fruitful. So I have went from being bound to being blessed. I have went from being forgotten to being fruitful. I have went from being into a pit to being in a palace. I have forgotten and now I am blessed and I am fruitful in the land of my enemy. Somebody ought to clap your hands. You ought to lift your voice to the Lord right now. Come on, somebody give him praise right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Somebody give him praise right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you're going to be all God wants you to be, you've got to be able to forget and be fruitful. If you're going to have what God wants you to have, you've got to forget the toil at your father's house and you've got to be able to be fruitful in the place God has put you in. I might not be in ideal circumstances. I may not have everything that I think I deserve. I may not be exactly where I wish I could have been. If my brothers would have never thrown me in the pit or put me in the prison, but you hear me, you got to square your shoulders and come to a place uh, where you say I'm willing to give birth to a Manasseh and forget uh, and I'm willing to bring forth an Ephraim uh, and be fruitful right where I am uh, I may not have asked to be in Egypt uh, but I'm going to be fruitful while I'm here uh, I may not have asked to be in Pharaoh's house uh, but I'm going to be fruitful while I'm here Now, nah, somebody lift your hands to the Lord come on Holy Ghost is talking to us right now Come on, somebody lift your hands to the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. 
God's talking to families. God's talking to marriages. Uh, God's talking to individual believers. Uh, come on, there's a prophecy that needs to go forth uh, into your life right now. And you need to lift up your voice and prophesy a Manasseh. And you need to lift up your voice and prophesy an Ephraim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on. Somebody declare it right now. I speak a Manasseh into my life. I speak an Ephraim into my life. I speak a spiritual Manasseh and a spiritual Ephraim. I speak that there will be forgetfulness in the land of my father's affliction. And I speak that there will be fruitfulness in the land that I am currently in. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. you got to be willing to let go of your past. There's a reason Manasseh has to come before Ephraim. Because if you're going to be fruitful, you've got to first forget. You cannot be fruitful while you're lugging around all the trouble of your past. You cannot be fruitful while you're lugging around all the trouble. I said you can't be fruitful while you're carrying around all the trouble and all of the trauma of everything you've been through. Uh, God cannot bring you to a place of fruitfulness uh, while you're carrying around hurt uh, and while you're carrying around offense. I know some people that are being powerfully used of God right now. That if they don't get rid of the offense in their life, they're going to crash and burn. It's only a matter of time. You cannot escape it. You carry offense. You carry offense and bitterness in your spirit. Bitterness and offense, it's the only poison that always destroys its container carry around bitterness and offense it's only a matter of time that it will bring you to an early grave it'll bring a ministry to an early end I'm telling you you've got to forget you've got to let go that means you've got to quit seeking justice boy that's hard you don't know what they did to me, preacher. No, and you don't know what they did to me. Mm-hmm. You, you don't know how wrong it was. Yeah, you don't know my road either. But I'll tell you what I do know. That if you keep living in your past, God's never going to be able to bless you in your present. I don't present. care how many services you go to. You can talk in tongues till your tongue falls off its rocker. But if you don't learn to forget the past and forgive what has happened there is not going to be a blessing in your present and so Joseph if you're going to have the fullness of God's promise in your life you've got to first have a Manasseh a baptism of forgetfulness and then you've got to have an Ephraim you've got to have a a, a speaking a prophetic word of fruitfulness over your life and right now in the Holy Ghost I'm speaking to this church and believers and members in this church and of other churches churches that are gathered here and I'm preaching a prophetic word to you and telling you that God wants to right now tonight let you give birth to a Manasseh and let you give birth to an Ephraim. God wants to right here tonight let you give birth to two spiritual children that will bring you to a place of promise that will catapult you out of
of your past. I'm not telling you that it's some prosperity doctrine where you're going to magically wake up tomorrow and your circumstances are going to be transformed. No, I'm telling you God's going to give you fruitfulness right in the land of Egypt. God's going to give you fruitfulness right where you're at. God's going to give you fruitfulness right where you're sitting. Time came. Jacob was nearing his end. He was going to die. Joseph brings his sons before his father so that his father may bless them. The Bible says before Jacob or Israel now comes Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was the firstborn son. The firstborn son in scripture should have had the blessing. The firstborn son should have had the greater share of the inheritance. Firstborn son should have had the first word of blessing spoke over him. And so up come Manasseh, the firstborn, and Ephraim, the secondborn. Works out good. He's a little taller than you. Joseph presents them to his father Jacob or Israel. He makes sure that Ephraim is on the left hand and Manasseh is on the right hand. His father is weary. He's sick in his bed. The Bible says in chapter 48 and 49, I believe, he straightens himself up in his bed when he knows that his grandkids are coming over. Some of y'all know how that works. Straightens himself up in his bed because the grandkids are coming for a visit. And Jacob, now Israel, laying in the bed dying. Joseph brings his sons before him. He makes sure, he says, I'm going to make it easy on my dad. I'm going to put Manasseh, the firstborn, closest to his right hand of blessing so that his right hand may bless him. And I'm going to put Ephraim, my secondborn, right in front of his left hand. So I'm going to make this easy on my dad so that he can bless my firstborn with the greater blessing with the right hand. And he can bless my secondborn with the lesser blessing, the left hand. You know what God does in this moment. Just stay right there. You know what God does. And can I tell you, God is not bound to human and ways and laws and reasoning. God is not bound to human systems and human structures. God operates in his own plane of understanding for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. Isaiah 55 and 9 for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see what the problem is is what Joseph does in this moment is indicative of what we often do in our flesh and in our human nature. The, the Manasseh while he represents forgetting the past uh, he still has that word past in his name he still has representation of the past uh, and, and, and so there's something in our flesh that's 
always wanting to bring the past to the forefront. There's something in our flesh that's always wanting to drag the past around with us everywhere we go. There's something in our flesh that's always wanting to make sure that we've got easy access to the accusation. That we've got in easy our flesh that's always wanting to make sure we've got easy access to the explanation to the past. And so Joseph brings Manasseh and places him at the right hand of blessing. But what but what Jacob, what Israel does is so powerful. And there's so much preaching what he does. I don't have time to even hardly touch it tonight. But what he does is he says, I'm not going to bless this one. I'm going to bless this one. Why? Because this one's forgetting the past. It's still representation of past. But this one is fruitfulness of the future. Hear me. God is never going to bless the pain of your past. God is always going to bless. Bless the prophetic word over your future. Hear me. God is never going to multiply the pain of your past. But God wants to speak a word of prophecy over your future. That it would be fruitful. That it would multiply. That there would be abundant blessing upon you and upon his people. That's the word that is in this house tonight. And so when Israel extends his hands to bless the sons that are set before him, come here, Brother Dustin, help me out. Hold this mic. When he extends his hands to bless the sons that are set before him, the Bible says that he crosses his hands and he takes his left hand and he places it on Manasseh and he takes his right hand and he places it on Ephraim. And, and and Joseph freaks out. He says, wait just a second. Hold on just a second. No, no, dad, you've got it wrong. And he tries to correct him. He literally removes his dad's hand. That's what the Bible says. He removes his dad's hands. And he says, no, no, let me direct your hand where it's supposed to go. Come here, brother. He's, let me direct your hand where it's supposed to go. And, and, and the patriarch said, no, 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 no. And I, I know what I'm doing. I know what God has spoke to me. And I'm never going to place the right hand of blessing on the pain of your past but that's going on your future and you know what God has a promise that cannot be attached to your past and cannot be attached I'm telling you what God wants to do in this place tonight uh, is what Joseph and Jacob, uh, what Joseph and Israel did in that moment. Uh, God wants you to quit trying to force the blessing uh, on something that God doesn't want to bless. Uh, God's brought you out of that place. Uh, God's delivered you from that thing. Uh, and God wants it to be buried and done and over. Uh, but what God wants to do uh, is place his mighty right hand uh, of blessing uh, upon the fruitfulness of your future. I feel the Holy Ghost somebody lift your hands right now to the Lord come on somebody lift your hands and lift your voice all across this room come on I'm just about done preaching the Holy Ghost is ready to move here right now come on lift up your voice lift up your voice lift up your voice in the name of Jesus come on lift up your voice in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Come on, lift up your voice. In the name of Jesus, right now, help us, Holy Ghost.
Come on, I know it didn't work out like you wanted to, but quit looking at the past. I know it didn't happen like it was supposed to, but quit speaking life to a past. Quit trying to lay the right hand of power on the past. Quit trying to lay the right hand of promise on the past. Quit trying to lay the right hand of blessing on the past. God wants you to focus on the fruitfulness of your future. God wants you to focus on the fruitfulness of the days that are yet to come. I thank God for every road that has brought us to this point but I'm telling you Lord you don't have to bless my past right now just bless me with a dose of Holy Ghost amnesia I'm ready to forget the pain of the father's house and I'm ready to prophesy to my future I'm ready to speak life into my future come on lift up your voice right now I'm, I'm preaching if you're here tonight and there's some junk in your past that you're ready to let go of and or if there's a future that you're ready to prophesy blessing to if there's some stuff in your, your hand and yet there's some things in your present that you'd like God to speak life to some things in your future that you'd like God to speak a prophetic promise to. Ooh, my, my, my. If that describes where you're at, you ought to stand to your feet right now and you ought to lift both hands straight in the air and I dare you to just begin to speak those two names over your life. I dare you to just say in the name of Jesus, I prophesy a Manasseh into my life right now, a Holy Ghost amnesia, and I prophesy uh, 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 an Ephraim. I prophesy fruitfulness and faithfulness, and I prophesy deliverance, and I prophesy victory, and I prophesy an overcoming in my life in the name of Jesus. Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord right now. Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. I'm telling you, God is just repeating his pattern that has been since the beginning of time. God is just repeating the pattern. God has a history of blessing the younger. God has a history of blessing the future. Manasseh represents the past, but Ephraim represents tomorrow. He 
did it with Seth and Cain. He did it with Isaac and Ishmael. He did it with Jacob and Esau. He did it with Joseph and his brothers. He did it with Ephraim and Manasseh. I'm telling you, it's a type of the first Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam was cursed with sin. The first Adam messed up in the garden. But the Lord said, I'm going to bring the second Adam, Jesus Christ. And he's going to be a deliverer, a redeemer, and a restorer. I'm telling you, this is not some new theology, but it has been since the exit of the garden. God is ready in this place to bless something that you don't even know can be. And God is ready to put to bed past that has haunted you and locked you down. Come on, all across this room.